Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Before we get into our next guest, if you could please give us a like, give us a subscribe. That really helps out the channel. All right. Today, we have a special guest. We have the owner of Finish Line Comics, Edward Davis. Um, really excited to have him on the show. We met at a Comic-Con uh, about three or four months ago. I invited him on the show. We were able to kind of get our calendars together, and uh, he is here today. Um, we're going to talk about Finish Line Comics. We're going to talk about his comic, um, Immortal Era, that's been out for uh, a couple years now. They're actually on issue eight. In fact, right now, if you go to Kickstarter and you enter in the search Immortal Era, um, you're going to uh, find their current Kickstarter has about nine days left, um, and that's for issue eight. And if you're not familiar with Immortal Era, you're going to have to listen to this podcast and check it out. It's an awesome comic book. Um, this current Kickstarter allows you to get the, the most current comic book and allows you to go back and catch up. Um, and I suggest you do that because the comic book is definitely a must read. All right. Without further ado, here is Edward and I. Thanks, everyone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War podcast. We have another special guest today. We have Edward Davis. He is the creator and writer of Immortal Era. If you haven't read that yet, we're going to get into it. Uh, but you're really missing out if you haven't read this one. Edward, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Really excited to talk to you. I think we met, I think, was it Moreno Valley? I'm the Paris mistaken. Con, yeah. Yeah, the Paris right Con. Right by Moreno Valley, right? Like Both those cities are yeah, right there exactly. connected. Yeah. yeah, no offense to anybody in Paris. You're right. It was Paris <laughs> Con, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was great to meet you. I was able to hear a little bit about your story, so I picked up issue one, and now I'm going to jump on your Kickstarter to, to catch up because it is a fantastic story. Uh, but before we get too much into the story, let's talk about okay. your background. Uh, where did your passion for comics begin? I think my passion for comics began when I was very young. And mm -hmm. I remember going, I was probably five or six. I was one of those early readers and couldn't get enough books. And I remember I went to a swap meet with my dad. Yeah. And when we were there, I saw just this kind of beat up collection of Spider-Man. Starting with Amazing Fantasy and probably like the first six issues or something. And I just read it and read it and read it until the pages were falling out. And that kind of <laughs> launched my passion for comics. So then we'd go to the swap meet again and it's like, ooh, I need another one of those books. So I'm grabbing Avengers. I'm grabbing Batman. And just reading all of those old classic comics yeah. really got me hooked. And then what kind of changed it all for me because I loved all of those but when I found an old collection of Tales from the Crypt stuff mm -hmm. I was just it, it was like <laughs> wow they know everything I love all in one book <laughs> that's awesome man yeah yeah it's always fun to go back and see what that one comic book was that really triggered that passion and uh, you're not the first one that said Tales of the Crypt I I think uh I was talking to Colin Bunn, who is mm -hmm. doing a lot of amazing stuff in horror, and he talked about that like it was everything. So, yeah, yeah I think there's quite a few people that got hooked on that as kind of mm -hmm. their starter. And, uh, yeah, I could definitely see some of that in, in Immortal Era for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> seeps in there, especially with the with all the gore and, you know, yeah. kind of horrific things. And then when you get to later issues, I kind of bring in uh, mysticism and witches and things like oh, that wow. that definitely feed into my love of all the old EC stuff that I was reading. That's so cool. Was there a certain uh, writer that you uh, kind of attached yourself to um, growing up that maybe you emulate or at least learn from that's helped you in your writing? I think the writer 
that that hooked me most when I was younger and probably completely inappropriate to have been reading him when I was this age, but was Stephen King. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember my aunt when I was about, I would say, nine or ten, gave me my first Stephen King book and I was hooked. I mean, I, I remember I would do just odd jobs around the neighborhood to earn money. And I joined yeah. that Stephen King book club because I'm like, I want the new book <laughs> right when it comes out and catching up on all the back, all the back catalog. So yeah. yeah, Stephen King was definitely the first writer that I just got passionately hooked on. That's awesome. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's a pretty good one to get hooked on. He's, mm -hmm. he's been a little successful, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then, you know, as you, uh, started getting into writing, when did that passion for writing? So we talked a little bit about reading the passion mm -hmm. for comics. When did you really get a passion for writing and creating stories? I think it would be probably around the same time. I, mm -hmm. I remember when I was very young, I was already writing little short stories and they, yeah. they, they never seemed to be happy. I don't think I can write a happy story. I could try and it would yeah. end up and people would hate it. So they were always kind of these strange, grim stories. I remember the, the first story I can remember writing was when um, I was in, I was living in the desert growing up and one of my dad's friends came over wearing this, you know, snakeskin belt. And I wrote this story about the revenge of the reptiles, how <laughs> the underground society is, sneaks up and is making human skin belts of their own to show off to their neighbors. And I, I just remember showing my dad and he's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, what, what is in that mind of yours? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not show this to our friend that had the belt, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could be a story, though. I mean, that sounds pretty yeah. amazing. I always think I would love to actually develop that as a full fleshed out story. It was, I, I mean, at the time it was probably like a little 10 page short story, yeah. but it's the first one I actually remember sitting down, mapping out the the plan of it and writing it. I mean, yeah. and I wish I had a copy of it still. It's one of those things where I wish I could look at it. And of course, right. reading what's coming out of a little kid, it would look bad, but it's like, that nugget of an idea, I, I would love to see what was there even when I was that young. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about Immortal Era. When did you come up with that concept? And and was this your first um, entrance into actually a creator of your own comic book? Or did it you do was. something this, before this? This story actually goes back a long way. Oh, okay. This story goes back to 1998. Oh, wow. When I was in college, I was an English lit major and mm -hmm. we were reading just one little excerpt from Gulliver's Travels. Mm -hmm. And in the excerpt, he travels to an island of where island where they have immortals. Mm -hmm. And he thinks, wow, this is amazing. People that are going to live forever. What a great thing this must be. And then he finds people that are aged hundreds of years old and they aren't frozen in time. They're not these yeah. ageless vampires. And he looks at them, they can barely move, they can barely yeah. think and sees, okay, this immortality is actually a miserable thing. So if you're born into it, it's awful. He leaves the island, it's, you know, maybe eight or nine pages. It's this tiny little excerpt we read, but it got all these ideas swimming in my head. So I remember the earliest notes for Immortal Era, I dated them and they're like August or September of 1998. Yeah. And I just remember getting home and just jotting down all of these thoughts and notes of how can I take this this concept with immortality being terrible and just kind of build it into something different. Mm. 
Now, was your first thought that this should be a comic book or were you going to write was, like a novel or something like that? I'll be honest. When I first started writing it, I never thought you could just write comic books. Mm -hmm. I thought you had to be able to have this amazing artistic skill if you yeah. wanted to be a comic writer. Right. That you don't just write it and someone else does the artwork. So comics at that point were never a thought in my mind. Yeah. It was more let me write this as a novel. So mm -hmm. its original conception was a, a novel written in first person from Ari, the main character's yeah. point of view. So it was always, it had started like that. And it wasn't until years later, we're probably talking like 2017, mm -hmm. that I was talking to someone and he was just saying like, oh, I write stories. I'm like, yeah, I have this story. I've been working on it for years. It just won't go away. Yeah. And I kind of gave him the general concept of it. And he's like, you know what? That would make a really good comic book. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? Maybe he's right. Yeah. How do you write a comic book? I don't know. So I just yeah. went on the internet, typed in comic script, went into my library, grabbed all those old graphic novels off the shelf that had those script excerpts in the back, yeah. the part you normally just ignore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm reading them and just finding, all right, how can I format this? And I remember it was the um, the saga one where I liked his formatting of how he wrote his script. So I just kind of adopted that formatting and started turning all of what was written before all those old notes into comic script. Mm, that's awesome. Wow. 27. So from 1998 to 2017, you kind of held this story and before yeah. you get right before you were able to release it, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And how often were you going back to it and adding more from 1998 to 2017? Or did you kind of have the bulk of the story that we're now reading in the comic already done by that point? The, the major, the, the main story was done. I did okay. an outline that was the from beginning to end, knowing mm -hmm. every major story beat, what yeah. the fate of every character was going to be, how, how everything would happen. So I had done extensive outlining. And then what I would do with the notes was add new characters here and there, add new settings here and there, yeah. and eventually leading to actually writing the story. But there were times, I mean, I remember I was working on a master's degree that the story got shoved aside completely. And then randomly, I would just kind of get a thought in my head and pull out one of my notepads. And it was, you know, a stack this high of notepads. <laughs> just like, okay, let me add this. Let me add that. And I remember like Miguel, one of the characters, yeah. I wrote his entire origin, just kind of thought about it. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool if this and this and this. So it's written and just waiting for the point that I can add it into the comic book. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. must've been pretty uh, rewarding to finally get into comics and then start to see something that you were sitting on for so long and adding to actually come to life like that. I mean, that's gotta be pretty awesome experience. Yeah, it, it was an amazing feeling. I just remember the day that the box or the box is, it was, <laughs> it was a huge order. The day that they arrived uh -huh. on the, on the porch and just, looking at something that it got so close so many times it yeah. just i got to the thought of i'm never gonna finish this what's the point but my head was just like nah what what's it hurt you're you're yeah. you got a few notepads they're hanging out don't let the story die and it just kind of hit that crossroads like yeah. either make this happen or let it die in my head and when you actually realize i've made it happen i have a book this it, it's actually real that's yeah. one of the greatest feelings yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Now, as far as once we get into the story, right, um, the character development, 
you mentioned that several of those characters were already created. So like mm -hmm. I, I got through issue one, most of those characters yeah. were already in your story or were there some that you added um, in there? So, right, we see Aaliyah, we see her sister, um, Kimberly, um, yeah. obviously Dr. Uh, Man, <laughs> who yeah. I really like. I think the ones, the ones that you see on the cover right there, that's uh -huh. Father Miguel, Ari, and Kimberly. Yeah. They were the ones that were all along created. Gotcha. Okay. Doctor yeah. Man was just something I was thinking about. Like, okay, if, if everyone's immortal, what's something that I can do to really show that yes, everyone is immortal, including a guy who had his entire body destroyed. <laughs> all that's left is his head, and guess what? He's still living. He's still immortal. So yeah. it's one of those things where that was kind of he was a newer character introduced into the series. Yeah. Father Ari Miguel. And I think Kimberly might have come later as well. Okay, yeah. Because it was always those two, Miguel training Ari to be a warrior. We yeah. see a little bit of their training in issue four. Mm -hmm. And then Father would have been the one who would have trained Miguel. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of passing it down. Kimberly made it more just, you want that that sister who's completely the opposite of this yeah. this warrior background that all of the people of that world share. Right. So she came later, but the... The first, she would have still been when I was doing the notes in the mm -hmm. actual novel version. Uh huh. But for the comic book, Doctor Man came exclusively to that, and then there's some other characters, some villains that would mm -hmm. have come. When you get to issue two, it introduces a few new characters. They were there all along. Okay. So yeah. the backstory of why people became immortal—that's what gets explored in issue two. And the two characters that are in this flashback sequence are actually major players in the whole series and eventually come back into this, the regular timeline. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Incredible. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as a first time going into comics, <laughs> right, there's a lot of research that you have to do to kind of figure mm -hmm. things out. What was the most difficult or the most frustrating part about putting the comic book together right because there's a lot of steps that you have to take from an artist yeah. right even mm -hmm. finding someone to print it and, uh, <laughs> and even as simple as ensuring that when you send the pdf or however version you're putting it in that it's mm -hmm. it's correct and you don't have bleed lines and i mean it, it's oh yeah it's not that simple right I don't know. Th those are all things you learn the hard way i was yeah. fortunate that the colorist that worked the first story arc with me uh -huh. She had actually published with, um, I don't know which company does it, but uh -huh. she had worked and published and colored the Doctor Who comics. Oh, some okay. of those. Yeah. So she was the one who went in and reformatted the pages so that they would fit in a comic book because nice. that was the first thing she said, like these pages won't don't work. Yeah. We needed to add some margins and things like that. But she made sure her coloring kind of saved it where we didn't have any major problems. But the biggest thing for me was that I was way too wordy. And the first lettering draft covered all of the art because you it came from a novel where you can be as wordy as you want. Yeah, You're not yeah. worried about how much dialogue you have in a novel because you have infinite space. If it right. gets too long, you split it into two novels. Mm -hmm. But in a comic book, you have to find that that fine line between dialogue and letting the art tell the story yeah, yeah. and when my letter is like yeah 
this is what it looks like now. And I still don't have all of your words in there. <laughs> That's when I realized, okay, it's time to go in and I need to trim the fat. I need right, to take right. away enough that we can actually let the artwork show but not too much where we don't understand the story. Right, so that's yeah. when I brought in my wife mm -hmm. and said, okay, you don't know what's supposed to happen. Tell me what's vital here. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the newscaster in the beginning, there was yeah. so much just kind of fluff newscaster dialogue, the kind yeah. of stuff you would hear if you were actually tuning into a newscast mm -hmm. on TV. And I wanted it to sound organic and just like it was a newscast on TV, but a comic book doesn't need that. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what you learn is that's just too much for a comic book. Yeah. So formatting and formatting just comes back over and over again. You think yeah. you got it down and then I had to format <laughs> for a hardcover book. Right. <laughs> a whole different animal. Yeah, All those yeah. perfectly formatted comic pages, because you can fold a comic perfectly flat yeah. with a hardcover. You can't. You have the spines. So you have to add bleed zones for the spine so you, you think you know and then you find out you still don't know what you need to know <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's i think uh i like to ask that question because i there's two things one and, and let me know if you agree with this i think today it has been made so easy for anybody to create a comic again there's a lot of difficult things that you have to learn but anybody could do it right now you have a comic yeah. wellspring you have kablam like there's some really good printers out there yeah. and they'll they'll send you information okay here's what you need to do and here's the steps so mm -hmm. they try to make it as easy as possible yeah. um but a lot of people are getting into indie comics for the first time i think there's a few things that people don't realize about how difficult it is although the avenue is easy the steps yeah. throughout that avenue are not that easy oh yeah and cost is one of them. I don't think people realize how much it costs to produce a comic book. I don't know if oh, you want to yeah. dig into that too, right? Because it's it's not cheap, right? <laughs> I learned that. Yeah, that was definitely something I learned the hard way as well. Before I decided to launch into a comic, I had been saving for several years because yeah. I told you 2017 was the year that I started adapting it into a comic, but the book didn't make didn't come out until 2019. Mm -hmm. so between those years i was just putting money away yeah and yeah. it went very fast <laughs> so i mean you have to pay unless you're one of those those great people who can draw and yeah. write all by yourself you're you're gonna have to pay a team of people sure and that's you know you have at minimum an artist and an, an inker if you want to do it in black and white that yeah. if you want it color, you have a colorist, you have to play your letterer and the letterer also does formatting for me. So mm -hmm. you take that into account and I tell every single person, you need to pay an editor. Yeah, yeah. Don't think that you can edit your own stuff because you and all authors just love their words. Yeah. And yeah. you don't want to let your words go because you're like, no, that's funny. I love that because every author loves their words. It yeah. just comes with the territory. And if sure. you don't have an editor stepping in and saying, look, what you're saying, that might be great, but it doesn't serve the story. It's not moving the story yeah. forward. Right. You need someone that will step in. And when they go, well, I'm my own editor. And I think, well, that's your first mistake. <laughs> and the moment you do that, you're going to find things that, you know, later on might come back and bite you because you're yeah. you're not building the story the right way. So at minimum, you you need a small team. Even if you're the one that can write and draw, you need to bring in an editor. Yeah. And make sure that it's right. And then 
yeah, just formatting pages. And if you ever decide that you want to reprint them in trade form, that's a whole other step of reformatting. So yeah, it's it's it seems very easy. Hey, I have this great thing. I hired an artist. I'm going to make a comic book. And then you just find one roadblock after the next, after <laughs> the next, that just wants to stand in your way. And yeah. That's why a lot of the great indie comics that you read, you never read past an issue two. Because yeah. they just realize, holy crap, this is way more than I signed up for. Yeah. And I can't afford to keep this thing going. So they abandon ship after two issues and you never get to finish up that story. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that kind of brings me to the next point, right? Knowing all these difficulties, how often are you bringing out a new issue? My goal is to get a new one every three months. Okay. Wow. That's pretty good. And then, of course, life can get in the way. Yeah. I, had, I had this year had to have two major eye surgeries. Oh, and okay. when that was going on, I couldn't focus on looking at a computer screen for too much sure. time. Yeah, so yeah. The, the art, the good news is the art team kept producing. Good. I had enough money to keep paying them. So we have art done all the way through issue 11. Oh, good. So, wow. What will happen now is we'll have a much faster release schedule. Yeah. But during that time, what I was hoping to get a summer release of issue eight that's live right now, mm -hmm. that summer release never actually happened because I just wasn't able to be pulling that off. Sure. So things slowed down, but then now they're going to go in turbo speed because we'll yeah. have issue eight followed right by a new series followed right by issue nine. So every other month we'll have a new Kickstarter and a new book coming out. Wow. That's impressive to be honest. That's for an indie comic creator. That's pretty good. I think most indie comic creators that I've talked to, if they can do two a year, they feel really good about that because it yeah. is difficult. Right. And it is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Unless you have a super successful Kickstarter, right. That might hinder you and you might need to find funds another way to kind of get yeah. that issue going. So congratulations. That's, Thank that's you. amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. Editor. Yeah. So from a marketing standpoint and getting the word out, you know, obviously I, I met you at uh, Paris yeah. con. How mm -hmm. often are you going to shows to kind of share uh, your comic and to get that in front of people? Cause I think that's one of the better ways, right? I think it is. It really is. And that's where you can build a truly organic mailing list between yeah. that and Kickstarter. You're building a mailing list of people who actually have real interest in your product. Right. You, you, you I mean, the moment you launch a Kickstarter, you get a flood of people trying to tell you, we can improve you. We can yeah. get you thousands of people on your mailing list, but they're not real. Yeah. These same yeah. people are going to mark you as spam yeah. after the first or second one. It's like, who the heck is this? I never signed up for this, which yeah. means essentially they're just selling someone's information to yeah. you mm -hmm. and they're going to be bitter about it. And you're going to get marked as spam and, and sent away. So getting out there and actually going to the shows I find is the best way to find readers Yeah. because what I have on Kickstarter are a lot of their regulars. They buy yeah. every issue and they, they want to keep up with the series as it's going along. So if you looked at my pledges, most of them are just buying an issue eight. Mm -hmm. You go to the cons, that's how you get them hooked. So yeah. at the con they'll buy, maybe they'll buy one like you did and they'll, They'll read it and realize it's not their flavor, but they didn't lose anything. But if it yeah. is, then they go to the next Kickstarter and they catch up. Yeah. And yeah. I get a lot that I see like that happening. And that's because of the cons. Yeah. yeah. Or what you have on Kickstarter is you, you 
you have an audience and you got to keep them. That's your job. Right. And then you go out to the cons to just keep bringing more and more of those people in. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's how I got hooked is I got the one and I'm like, wow, this is really good. And I'll be honest, I go to quite a few cons. I'm always mm -hmm. looking for a, a new indie comic and yeah. uh, not always are they the right fit for me. Right. And everyone works yeah. really hard. So I, I try to be um, a little conservative, right. Because I also have a budget. Um, yes. So I, I picked it up and then I go home and to your point, if I like it, then I, I'll either go to your website or now that the Kickstarter is going, I'll just catch up there. And now, yeah. now you got me hooked because I like the story. So, and I like that kind of dark side of it too, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. I, like I said, I, I don't know if I can write happy stuff. I mean, <laughs> try as I might, it just doesn't come out of me. And yeah, that's okay. like what, what someone was saying, the new series that's going to be coming out. He's, he said, yeah, if they found immortal era too dark they're really gonna be put <laughs> off by this one <laughs> i love it i love it you got me hooked already just knowing that so let, let's talk about kind of the future right so we we have immortal one through seven that's available now we have eight in the kickstarter where you could catch up yes. you kind of talked about nine through eleven probably being released over the next year i assume since you're putting out yeah maybe i would i would quarter. think nine i'm hoping for december but i might back off and wait till january yeah because I've never done a Kickstarter during the holidays. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know if that's necessarily a good time to launch a book. It's a good point. So that, that's one I'm just kind of on the fence about. But what the artwork will have us doing, if I wait till January, then it would be March for issue 10 and then right. probably June for issue 11. And by then I have to assume that yeah. we'll be done with issue 12 and that will actually close out the next story arc. Okay. So my goal is to close out the story arc by the end of next year and then again release a trade, a volume two trade mm -hmm. that would get people that, you know, opportunity to just buy two trades at the table and not have to buy all the floppies. Because yeah. a lot of the floppies are, I mean, on issue one, I think it's going to its fifth print. Oh, wow. And some people, they don't want to buy a fifth print. And yeah, some people yeah. don't care because like I'm buying it to read. Yeah, yeah. But you get those people like, oh, I want a first print. Those were gone a long time ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> but my thought is, you know, just get those trades and that's what people buy more than anything. Yeah. So I did the last time I put the issue and the trade out at the same time. I think this time I'll I'll break them apart. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about maybe something. Um, you said that you have a new project that you're working on I right do. now. And that will be released um, sometime this year or that next year That's as well? coming out in October. We're actually, oh, wow. we just, the, the colorist just finished up on all the colors. Mm -hmm. I'm sending it to the letterer this week. And then after that, it'll go to my editor. So he'll make sure all the mm -hmm. grammar punctuation is clean because that's one of those indie, indie things. You, you know, the, the taboos in indie comics is you're going to think you're getting sloppy, poorly written, bad yeah. grammar, bad punctuation. So I actually send it through two editors to make sure there's not a comma out of place. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be through that, but oh, so it'll be through that. And then mm -hmm. um, Kickstarter in October. Excellent. Wow. So very cool. The, the series is going to be loosely connected to Immortal Era. Mm -hmm. It's called Corruptor. And the basic premise of that story is it's, it takes place before Immortal Era begins. Okay. And it's a hitman, the world's most feared hitman, 
is killed and he starts being recruited by heaven and hell to try to bring the most souls to them before the immortal era begins. Oh, wow. Because he, they both, you know, I call them the top side and the bottom side and we never call it heaven and hell. Yeah. It's just, okay. The, the devil is the boss and, and God is the big guy and yeah. they're fighting for souls. So that essentially just for bragging rights. Yeah. Okay. But they're trying to recruit people to help them get souls because they know that as soon as immortal era begins, yeah. all of the portals to bringing souls in will be, will disappear. Wow. So everyone is going to be frozen on earth. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. You're creating a, a universe where both of these could live then, right? Yeah. And, and it'll, tonally, they'll have a completely different feel. I brought in, I, I'm still working with the same artist, but I brought in a different colorist. So it has mm. a different vibe with the colors as well. So if you read them, it's more going to be for someone who's read all of Immortal Era, just little Easter eggs that you can catch uh -huh. throughout. Like, oh, wow, there's that same newscaster from the opening of Immortal Era. Yeah. And, you know, oh, he's talking about, uh, you know, all the soul, all the portals are going to be closed to bringing souls. Well, if you've read Immortal Era, you know why. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's more of a connected universe where they can they can live together, but feel completely different at the same yeah. time. That's awesome. Incredible. So where are you going to be at? Where's, when's your next show? You mentioned, you said you're going to be at uh, Horror. The next, show, the next show I'm definitely going to be at is HorrorCon Los Angeles. Okay. And that one's going to be on September 30th and October 1st. Nice. And I'm actually working really hard to make that the place that I can debut Corruptor. Oh, so very good. Yeah. Even though it'll be on Kickstarter, that will be, I'm hoping the place that we can debut it for the first time. Because yeah. I feel like that story really would fit in well at a horror con. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like it would. That's pretty cool. And then after that, you're just going to do L.A. and that's it? After that is L.A. And uh -huh. that's what I have on the books for now. Yeah. I'm always looking for new ones. I'm, I'm on the fence with Long Beach. But if I yeah. went there, I would essentially just be selling trades. I wouldn't okay. have issue ones to sell. But, you know, I could probably go there and sell just trades and do do well enough to make it work so yeah yeah it's one of those things I'm, I'm kind of on the fence but it's it's one of the shows that you can sign up for later and you're still okay okay very good i know there's another paris one coming up in october a small one and it's a free event too oh um, i think that's the art walk right no it's called ValorCon. so i i did the first one which was at the uh, beginning of the year and it's at okay. one of the high schools in paris Mm -hmm. It's not the one that we did that I saw you okay. at, but it's a different yeah. one. And it was pretty good. I actually was okay. really did pretty good there too. I'll send you the information if you want it. But yeah, it, that'd be great. Yeah. Cause I, I, I love to do the smaller ones when mm -hmm. I can yeah. because it involves a lot less travel exactly. and it's usually the tables are more affordable. This one was free be, for creators. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would definitely be interested in that one then. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the information after, but yeah, it'd be cool to see you again too. Very good. That'd be great. Yeah. What else am I missing? What else are you missing? I yeah. think as far as what's coming out, mm -hmm. I think we've covered it pretty well. I'm, I'm developing a new series that'll be more autobiographical, talking about kind of all the stuff that I went through with the eye surgery. Oh, okay. 14 hour stints in emergency rooms. Wow. And kind of the weirdness that you see, but taking it, 
to a weird supernatural level, mm -hmm. but it'll, when you, if you wanted to go through and find out where the truth was and where, where the, you know, obviously some of the things will be, will be clearly fictional, but yeah. some of the things that would seem fictional, it's like, Oh no, that, that was all too true. Unfortunately. <laughs> wow. So I'm working on developing that, but it wouldn't even be a series. It'd just be yeah. a little one shot. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, I say for that one, I want to make people fear floaters the same way Jaws made them feel fear sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything is good now, though, for you? It's good, yeah. It, it The first surgery didn't really fix the problem. It, it fixed it minimally. So then they had to go past doing the laser and mm. went to all chopping up my eye. And that one got things fixed. But okay. In a yeah. lot more painful way. I'm like, oh man, yeah. if only the yeah. laser would have done the done the trick. Yeah. Ugh. I can't even touch my eyeball without freaking out. So I, I can't know. imagine. Oh, and <laughs> when they described it to me, it's like, man, that is straight out of Lucio Fucci right there. Yeah, like I've seen right. that movie and it, it made me squeamish just watching it on the screen, knowing it <laughs> yeah. was all fake. You're telling right. me you're going to be doing that to me and you're keeping <laughs> me awake? No, no thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it was there's... crazy. And I thought, yeah, this will be it'll be fun to kind of just take all of that. Because I remember I was in, I think it was my third or fourth time and my third or fourth emergency room. And the nurse sees me just sitting there like, all right, what can you really do? And she's yeah. like, can I do anything for you? I'm like, yeah, bring me as much paper as you can steal from the copy machine and a pen. Oh. And I just started writing this story. And then this random guy runs naked through the hallway i'm like oh whoops i gotta add that one into the story <laughs> so that's Maybe he I'm was about like, to have that same surgery and he was like i'm out of here man. oh i don't know what he was doing but he's like i'm discharging myself and he's <laughs> running out and they're like sir would you like your clothes i don't need my clothes and i'm like that is definitely making its way into the story oh yeah it has to, has to. it kind of has to because that's one of those ones they'll think yeah you just made that one up i'm like nope nope that one was real <laughs> that's hilarious man well i'm glad you're doing better um as a as a writer i think the eyes are pretty important so um yeah. glad that's not going to hinder you from continuing yeah yeah well, Edward, I can't tell you how much I appreciated meeting you that day. I'm glad that I got Immortal Era. Definitely going to get on some of the past issues. Um, man, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and meeting you. I hope that uh, when uh, your next series comes out, we could have you back on or your next Kickstarter. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, it'd be fun just to kind of go through it and talk about it and and hopefully get you yeah, the support that, that you That need. one is completely different origins and everything, yeah. so it's always it's always fun because yeah every story springs from a different place yeah yeah very good well edward thank you so much for joining me today um for people to go right now um to get your comic the the best way to do it is to go to kickstarter i just did it right now just type in immortal era and it pops right up um yeah. if you purchase number eight you could go ahead and purchase all the back issues as well if you want to yeah. get into it correct and if you're if there there's two ways to do it. If you're mm -hmm. just starting the series where you have issue one, you needed to fill in your holes yeah. with the back issues. But I have you can catch up with a hardcover and the two new issues, mm -hmm. a soft cover and the two new issues, or all eight floppies. Gotcha. So I have all of those options if you're coming into it new. Also digital versions of each one as well. Awesome. So that's the best way. If you're impatient and you want you want it right now, I do have a web store. 
Currently, the web store sold out of issue one and issue mm -hmm. two, but you can get a trade there because I know someone's like, I just want the trade right now. And he went and bought just the trade. So if you want yeah. it, you know, shipped out tomorrow, then that's your way to jump right in. But the best way to do it for me and for, you know, trying to keep the book moving is hitting that Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, I appreciate it. And then the website is just uh, finishlinecomics.com. Yeah, if you go to finishlinecomics.com, that's where you'll find the access to my web store. And Excellent. I also have a mailing list. So if you want to find out what's going, what what new goings on are happening with Finish Line Comics, sign up for that mailing list and you can find out. And I don't spam. I send out no more than two per month because I don't like getting my inbox flooded with email most of the time. If yeah. you're a creator and you're sending you know, one or two a week, I'm probably going to delete more of those than I actually read. Yeah. So I had to try to keep it to a minimum and promise you no more than two a month. Perfect. That's beautiful. Well, Edward, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very happy to have you on again. Um, I hope we could stay in touch, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I would love to come back and talk anytime. So yeah, whenever, you, yeah. whenever you'd like me back, I would love to do it. Sounds good. We'll stay in touch for sure. Have a great rest of your night and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? All right, thanks. You too. Thank you. Appreciate it.